All right, and we are live. Good afternoon, everyone. What day is it today? Wednesday? Something like that. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we've got my best buddy in the world, Kurt Franklin, in the house. He's in the comment section. I'm writing, hi, Kurt, in the comment section. Everybody, give Kurt Franklin some love. <clears throat> Say hello to him. He's, he's out there in Hawaii. Hard life. Hard life in Hawaii, uh, and uh, Valeria, Valeria, do you want to say hi to Kurt? No. No. <laughs> that's, that's cold, girl. That's cold. Uh, yeah, my best friend, Kurt Franklin. Um, <laughs> anyway, so uh, you want to get right into it? Because I think we got some good stories today. Okay. We're going to talk about cartoon shows. We're going to talk about homosexuality. We're going to talk about trans stuff. And yep. all your favorite ones. Finally, we're going to talk about Don Lemon. So this one's going to be quite a bit of fun. That's why I wanted Kurt to watch. Oh, Dan, Daniel has already uh, given us some money. He says, all police officers should resign in protest on how they're being treated. You know, a lot of people suspect that they will design. Uh, will design. Will resign. I know. Speak how. And uh, <clears throat> and we're just going to end up with a bunch of criminals roaming the streets and no police to police them. And actually, we're going to talk about a little bit about um, prostitution today. It's going to be fun. And we're going to talk about how, uh, yeah, they're not even enforcing the laws. They're not enforcing the laws. They're not arresting anybody. The DAs aren't, aren't uh, is my hair all messed up? It looks kind of messed up. Okay. DAs aren't prosecuting anybody. It's just a, the, the country's going to hell because of... Democrats. All right, let's do the intro. You ready, guys? This is the least professional show on YouTube. I'm Toxic. She's Masculine. Together, we are Toxic Masculinity. Toxic Masculinity. All right, so Valeria, darling, could you do me a huge favor? No. Please, please (laughs) read the first headline. Cartoon blasted for too few dogs of color. Yes. Cartoon blasted for too few dogs of color. This is ridiculous. This comes from Australia. It's a very popular cartoon in Australia called Bluey. Oh, mate, you ever see Bluey when you were a kid? Hey, that's my terrible Australian accent. I can actually do a good Australian accent, but I that wasn't it. <laughs> I don't know why that was so bad. Bluey has been uh, criticized for not being diverse enough. Let's see. Bluey is an award-winning Australian animated series that's also critically acclaimed and loved by families across the country. Excuse me. It's been praised for helping teach important family values and uh, instill notions of respect and importance of helping each other out. However, one woman has questioned whether there needs to be more diversity in the program. Program with an E, apparently, because this must be a... A British uh, uh, website. ABC journalist, ABC being Australian Broadcasting Company, journalist Beverly Wang, uh, she's the one complaining about this. She says she hopes the producers of the legendary series will inject new characters into upcoming episodes that showcase the rest of the Australian population. Oh, here we go. Kurt's Kurt's already writing me. Oh, no, that's an old text. All right. (laughs) Um, Yeah, mate. Bluey's going to be black. Why isn't Bluey black? I don't understand. 
He's got an Australian accent. He must not be. Uh, he must be white. Yeah, I don't know how you can tell what color these damn dogs are. They're multicolored. You stupid woman. They're multicolored. They're not white. Were they culturally white? That's a problem. There's oh. a black dog. No. Yeah, that's a that's a black dog right there. You idiot. Oh, blue. Uh, but, maybe but, maybe it's accent. Yeah, because it's not going around going, yo, bitch. What the f? I'll F you up. They, they don't all talk like Samuel L. Jackson. And so they're not black enough, apparently, or Asian. They're not going around going, uh, oh, please don't hurt me. People, evil Trump supporter in MAGA hat. I'm so scared of you because, you know, the white supremacists in America were the ones, you know, hurting all the, the poor Asians. I do the Asian accent because my best friend in the comments section there, Kurt Franklin, he is in fact, half Japanese. So that's that's his for his benefit. Uh, let's see here. So, um, yeah. So there's this Asian woman, I guess. She must be Asian. Her name's Wang, right? That's Asian. That's Chinese, yeah. Anyway, she thinks there needs to be more diversity in the dogs. It's oh my god. Uh, and this actually got me thinking about black characters generally and and characters of color. And I asked Valeria before the show. I was like. What what characters did you grow up with or did you know of when you were younger or even today that you love that are black? And what do you say? You said you said Blade. And what was the other thing? It was what was that movie that you like from from France? French movie? Untouchables. Untouchable. One plus one. One. Oh, what's it called? There's like two names on that. I think it's like more like Untouchable. Untouchable. I think it's called Untouchable. The Untouchables. The Untouchables. No. And that's the, about the handicapped guy, right? Yeah, she's looking it up. But um, there's this movie they they actually remade it for America. American they made it as an American film with Kevin Hart and uh, the dude from Breaking Bad, whose name I can't remember for some reason. Um, and it was good. The American version was good, but the but the French version is flipping amazing. Valeria yeah, introduced me to this film, mm-hmm. The Untouchables. Uh, basically, it's a story about, um, and it's a true story about a French guy who becomes paralyzed from the neck down, and he normally has these, you know, very sort of. He's very rich, so he gets these sort of posh, upscale, you know, like the equivalent of like Harvard educated caretakers coming in and dealing with him but he finds them all insufferable so this like uh black guy from the hood i guess he's got like he's there for something else like he, he's 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 he not was, supposed to... he was in unemployment and he had to like try to find a job to continue his unemployment and he just went to this guy so he can like not accept him so he can say that he tried to find a job he didn't find so you will pay me like that's right, that's right, yeah. So he ends up getting the job, even though he's like from the hood and he's not like any of the other applicants. Because the guy just thinks he's funny, I mm-hmm. think. Um, that's the main reason. Kurt, uh, Kurt, his his texted me about this particular subject and he writes that this this woman, Wang, whatever her name is, uh, what is it, Beverly? Something like that? Beverly Wang. He says she wants diversity amongst the dogs because she doesn't want to eat the same thing every day. <laughs> That's a joke. That is a joke about Asians eating dogs, ladies and gentlemen. But he can make that joke, and not even leftists can get offended because Kurt Franklin is Asian. Well, he could, they can half be offended. He's half Asian. Um, yeah, so anyway, this movie, The Untouchables, a fantastic film. Really uh, highly recommended. The French version, the American version is okay. 
French version is far better, far, far superior film. And they just end up with this unlikely friendship. He ends up being like the really, they end up basically becoming best friends and, uh, yeah, uh, living several years together, just having fun. Couple of dudes, you know, talking about chicks. It's a fantastic movie. Just like a, a movie about brotherhood, really. And it's a black guy and it's a white guy, and there's a sort of a culture clash there. But it's not really about the race thing as much as it is about the friendship that they that they have together. And one of them's poor and one of them rich, and so he. But um, Kurt, Kurt's making more dog eating joke. Um, but the point, the 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 funny thing about that film is. The original the guy, the, the guy in real life that the story is based on, was white. He actually just cast a black guy for diversity. But in that case, it actually, I think, actually worked better because it created a, a stronger distinction between uh, the two characters. Like, they came from two very different places, which I actually think worked in that case. Um, <clears throat> but most of the time that Hollywood tries to inject uh, black people or Asians or Hispanics or something like that into a story in which... Uh, it was like basically written as where it was developed as white characters. They just absolutely destroy it. Um, they <clears throat> they used to do it better. Hollywood used to do integration better. They used to integrate black people into stories a lot better than they do now. And what I was talking about with Valeria is that when I was growing up, two of the most... Well, there was a lot of black characters on TV. Um, but I'll, I'll name three three major figures in the 80s when I was coming up that were popular black people not because Hollywood was like trying to shove them down our throat and be like, you need to like black people more, but because they were just naturally very charismatic people. Two of them turned out to be massive disappointments, but one of them's still cool. <laughs> um, Mr. T. Mr. T was awesome. Everybody loved Mr. T. Everybody loved B.A. Baracus. Everybody loved... Uh, I forget the name of the character in uh, Rocky, but everybody loved those characters. And uh, Mr. T was just a fantastic, interesting guy. Think about Mr. T is I never really thought of Mr. T as black, even though he's black, you know? He's just such a charismatic fellow that you just think of him as Mr. T. You don't think of him as specifically black. Um, then you got Michael Jackson, probably the biggest celebrity in, you know, one of the biggest celebrities in history. Uh, but again, you know, He's not like a, you know, you wouldn't consider him like stereotypically black in any way. He's just an interesting guy. And, you know, again, a bit of a disappointment. I said that when we we're talking about this earlier, I said to Valeria, you know, Michael Jackson ended up being a bit of a disappointment. She goes, why? And I'm like, uh, because he's a pedophile. <laughs> and she's like, she goes, are you sure that's true? I'm like, I think the police found a bunch of like kitty porn in, in thought, his house. I know about the story, but I thought... Maybe it wasn't like true, you know. I think it. Is, I think it is. I did. I have like a movie Neverland or something like this. Right, right. Uh, and uh, I said to her, I think that Michael Jackson not only was he a, um, a horrible pedophile, but he even uh, seemed to admit it in one of his songs. I don't know if you guys are aware of this song. The song is called "Bad." I'm going to read some of the lyrics here for you. Um, Your butt is mine. The very first lyric, your butt is mine. First lyric of the song, uh, gonna tell you right, just show your face in broad daylight. I'm going to, uh, I'm telling you on how I feel, gonna hurt your mind, don't shoot to keel. 
He was saying Kiel long before, uh, long before. What's the show? Forged in Fire. Uh, come on, come on. Lay it on me. All right. I'm giving you to the count of three. I wonder how many times he said that. Uh, to show your stuff or let it be. Good Lord. It just gets worse and worse. Uh, I'm telling you just to watch your mouth. I know your game, what you're about. Eh, that part can be interpreted as you like. Uh, let's see. And it gets, it goes on and on and on. And then he says, because I'm bad. I'm bad. Come on. Really, really bad. Uh, you know I'm bad. I'm bad, you know. Really, really bad. Uh, and then he says, the whole world has to answer right now, just telling you once again who's bad. And I, I was telling my wife, I said, this is not a song. This is a cry for help. <laughs> okay, enough of the stand-up routine. <laughs> Valerie's looking at me like she's like, I had enough of this idiotic joke. Okay. Um, but then another character from the 80s who was also, or I guess figure from the 80s, who was also immensely popular was Bill Cosby. Again, just because he was a charismatic guy and again, quite a disappointment. But the thing about all these guys, the thing about all these guys and the reason they were successful in white culture, right, is that they were just charismatic people and they, they, they gained their success. They gained their fame organically. They were successful Actors, comedians, singers, whatever it was. And they gained a following of admiring fans because they were good at what they did and they had charisma and they were interesting people. This whole idea of being like, oh, we've, we've got an already successful franchise. Let's just take out some of the white people and inject black people in there instead. It's not going to work. It's not going to work in the same way. Not, you're never going to get another Mr. T because you decided that, oh, Bluey doesn't have enough black dogs in it. Let's take out some of the white dogs, put some black dogs in it. There we go. There's my Australian accent. Uh, and then it'll all be good, aye? Uh, no. No. That's not going to work. It's, you're not going to have another Mr. T or other successful... You know, look at, like, Samuel L. Jackson. I don't even think people think of Samuel L. Jackson as black. He's just so damn good. He's just so interesting and charming, and he's got such a phenomenal character. Uh... James Earl Jones. I don't think of James Earl Jones as black. I mean, he is black, okay, but I, I don't. I'm not sitting there going like, "Oh, there's a black guy on the screen." I think there's James Earl Jones, fantastic actor, uh, actor, interesting character he plays. You know, just a fantastic guy. So I, you know, I think that we have to stop thinking about this as like, like we've gone backwards, right? We had gotten to a point where we stopped looking at black people as black people and started looking at them as human beings, and now Hollywood's like, "There's none of black people." got to push black people into everything or in this case wang probably wants some uh, some asians thrown in there some asian bluey dogs it's like come on lady like just just let that show be here's my answer to what her dilemma is about there's not enough black characters in bluey make your own children's cartoon you're a successful writer you work for abc australian broadcasting company massive news agency you must be good at writing Write your own cartoon. You probably have the connections to do it. Write Asian Bluey. What, write a bunch of Asian dogs, you know, and the life of the Asian dogs, right? And the Asian dog family. I'm trying to see if uh, Kurt has any more hilarious jokes. He writes, I don't always eat dogs, but when I do, <laughs> when I, 
I'm not going to read that joke. That's that's too bad. That's too bad. I'm not reading it. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Uh, so this, let me just read the end of this real quick. It's not a long article. She says, uh, she criticized the show on ABC's Everyday Life website saying, my question is this. Can Bluey be more representative? And yes, I'm aware that Bluey's border, border collie pal Mackenzie is from New Zealand. <laughs> She's saying that sarcastically as if there's diversity because one of the characters was from New Zealand. Gosh, she's annoying. Okay. Uh, As a parent of color, she says, I'm always conscious of the presence or absence of diverse representation in kids' pop culture. What it means for children and the conversations we have around that. I sincerely believe you don't have to be other to think about this too. You know what this indicates to me? Anytime a, a, a woke leftist criticizes a children's show, I'm like... That's a show your kids should be watching. Like, if you're a parent, I, I would I would check out a few episodes of this just to make sure it's not, you know, a, you know, just woke garbage that's just not woke enough for her. Um, but just make sure it's a good wholesome show, and then you have a, you know, if if it is, then you got a good wholesome show to show your kids. And uh, it's from Australia, and so that's kind of fun, right? Uh. uh... <laughs> Uh, Kurt says that an, a show of Asian dogs would be full of Shih Tzu. <laughs> this is a joke. He likes the puns. And he's also written... This is why I brought him on today, because I wanted him to throw these jokes out here. Uh, yeah, I don't understand the last sentence, so I'm not going to say it. But anyway, uh, so then she says, uh, We live in a world where the majority of main characters of children's television are white, where there are animals that people of uh, color protagonists sorry where there are more animals than people of color protagonists populating the pages of children's books but animals aren't racial they're they're species they're, and they're not white you, you stupid woman okay <laughs> where are the disabled queer poor gender diverse dogs of single parent dog families in bluey's brisbane oh my gosh i want to slap this woman i swear to you i want to slap her i want to slap her so bad I'm not a violent guy. I would I would never hit a woman, but I really want to hit this one. <laughs> That'll probably get me kicked off YouTube. Uh, you know, we want a lot of things that we just, you know, we don't go and we don't do. Um, let's see here. Good Lord. Where, yeah, she's, she's horrible. If they live in the background, let them come forward. Minard, vo- voiced by Sean... Chulbra, I'm looking at you. God. Even even the way she writes is annoying. All right, let's hear. Miss Wang admits the show has taught her so much about how to carry herself and how to look after her children, but she reckons it would be incredible if there were just a few more characters spliced in with everyone. I'm aware this may come across as asking too much of a show that's already so tender, nuanced, and joyful, but it's exactly because Bluey has demonstrated the depth and range Um has demonstrated depth and range that I can't, that I can't help asking anyway. She wrote, because this is a successful show. That's really, really good. I want to change it to something that I like more. Just make your own show, make your own, make, make the shih tzus, make the show full of shih tzus, make that show. It'll be all Asian dogs, right? We love Asian dogs, right? Don't we? You mean like, Dogecoin? <laughs> Shibu Inu? Shibu Inu, baby. Yeah. To the moon. All right. Let's see here. Yeah. It's, uh, how we doing, baby? 
with the with Doge. We need to update people. I know you don't like talking about it on the show, but yeah, I mean, still not doing great. I'm still down quite a bit. A, yeah, I'm almost down a thousand bucks, but uh, you haven't lost so much. You, you've been doing okay. She's a little smarter with it than I am. All right, I'm ladies just, and gentlemen. I'm just patient. I'm just He's patient. Uh, I understand that. Okay. Uh, I understand that for the most part, Bluey's creators don't want their shows uh, to view. Creators don't view their show through a political lens. Yeah, you think a children's show shouldn't be viewed through a political lens? Astonishing. Astonishing. Time will tell if Miss Wang's message gets through to the producers, animators, and writers of the series, and they can enact some changes in the script. Let's pray that never happens. I don't know this show. I didn't grow up with this show. I don't have kids. They don't watch it. Uh, I've never heard of it, but I really hope that they stick to not listening to this psychopath um oops all right let's see here so valeria do you have anything to say about this no yeah all right you sure okay all right can you do me a huge favor read the headline for the next story biden slammed for trying to force christian doctor to violate religious beliefs yeah, so here's the thing about Joe Biden. He's supposedly a Catholic, and he's got this like deep Catholic faith. They're always talking about, like, oh, he's so Catholic. He's so amazing. Uh, for the record, there are some conservatives who are Catholic and some that are Protestant and, and you know, some that are a little bit more, you know, whatever, atheist or whatever. And there's a lot of infighting, I find, among Christians, like, oh, Catholics are evil or, you know, Jehovah's Witnesses are bad or Mormons are crazy or something like that. And I always hate this because I always think like everybody's worshiping the same God. They all believe in Christ. They're all, you know, all these different people are, are living essentially by the main themes of the, of Christian, Christian ideas. Right. Um, so why are we criticizing other faiths for certain sort of traditional ideas or problems with like, you know, that they've had in the structure of their, like, it's just like to me don't if you're christian don't be criticizing other christians in that way that that to me is pretty awful um so i actually like catholic some of my good friends are catholic uh, my family was catholic before i was born we all switched to being protestant after i was born we thought that was a more a more accurate view of the scriptures why he's texting me now kurt what did he write his texts what did he what did he write touching kids doesn't make you catholic what touching kids doesn't make you catholic oh god Kurt, why did I even ask? Why did I even ask? Exactly. No, no nasty jokes. Did he? Did he write? Not write that to me. Oh yeah, no. He. All right. Anyway. Okay. So, let's see here. Catholic vote slams devout Catholic Biden for trying to force Christian doctors to violate religious beliefs. Yeah. So, so Biden, although he calls himself a Catholic, he doesn't govern with any apparent Christian values. He just does whatever the left wants him to do, which sounds a lot, you know, we always talk about how leftism is kind of a religion, right? They, 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 they are sort of these leftists believe these, these uh, left-wing doctrines with almost a religious fervor, right? And they, they're, they all contradict Christian values. So it's like, you got to pick one or the other, you know, what's going to guide your morality, uh, you know, centuries old Christian values that have shaped the Western world or 
leftist crazy dogma. Okay, so let's see here. Catholic Vote, Catholic Vote, I guess is an organization. Catholic Vote President Brian Burt slammed President Joe Biden Wednesday for filing an appeal that would force Christian doctors to violate their religious beliefs. And you might think this is about abortion, but it isn't. It's about trans transgender surgery. Um, the Biden administration appealed, uh, sorry, the Biden administration appeal hinges on a 2016 Obama-era interpretation of a non-discrimination clause of the Affordable Care Act, resulting in a mandate, the Affordable Care Act being the, you know, Obamacare, resulting in a mandate that did not include conscientious, 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 con, conscience, conscience, or religious exemptions. I never learned to read. Uh, the mandate required doctors and hospitals to provide transgender surgeries upon a mental health professional's referral. Birch highlighted that through major media outlets, reporters and press secretary Jen Psaki have celebrated Biden's Catholicism as devout. The new president has frequently enacted policy that directly contradicts Catholic teaching. Uh, can anyone name a single thing about Joe Biden's Catholicism that makes him different in any way from the radical left? Birch asked the Daily Caller News Foundation. He's now in favor of forcing Catholic doctors to violate their own medical judgment and deeply held religious beliefs. So if you're a doctor, you cannot not cut people's junk off if they want you to. Joe Biden may have grown up as a devout Catholic, but it sure seems like he's transitioning into something else. Oh, that's very clever. That's very clever, Birch. Transitioning. It's funny. Despite Biden's uh, frequent references to his faith and common media praise of the president's Catholicism, the former vice president has drawn criticism for supporting and advocating for policies which the Catholic Church explicitly opposes. <clears throat> this is most notable in Biden's abortion policy. The Catholic Church teaches that abortion is a crime against human life, constitutes a grave offense, and a person who obtains abortion is automatically excommunicated from the Catholic Church. During his very first day, very first days in office, however, Biden promised to revoke the Mexico City policy, which prevents federal funds from going to abortions abroad, and vowed to make Roe versus Wade the law of the land. He also took steps to undo former President Donald Trump's Protect Life rule, which prohibited Title Ten families, Title X, Title Ten, I think it's Title Ten, uh, Title Ten family planning program funds from going to organizations that perform or promote abortions and reverse Trump's ban on using abortion fetal tissue for taxpayer-funded research. I don't think that's too common anymore, actually. I think, for the most part, um, stem cells can be taken from other tissue. It doesn't have to be taken from fetal tissue anymore so much. So I don't think that's such a big deal anymore. I may be wrong about that, but that's what I think is true. Uh, last week, the Biden administration announced it's lifting the Food and Drug Administration's former restriction on abortion drugs, allowing the abortion pill to be delivered by mail during the coronavirus pandemic. So yeah, he, he doesn't really use his faith so much as a guide for, you know, you know, for his, you know, for his policies, you know, to take a moral view of his policies rather takes, you know, the leftist ideology. And, um, and this is very dangerous, right? Because this is kind of, this is essentially what the, the, uh, the Germans did in the 1930s. They said, well, um, we need to take a scientific approach to governance. And so we need to, uh, experiment on human beings and, we need to uh, 
they, they were into um, eugenics. The, the uh, 1930s Germans were really into eugenics, which meant you basically kill off all the weak and infirm people, and people who are like mentally have mental illness and stuff like that, and like physical maladies. You know, they're they're born crippled and stuff like that. You just kill them off, and then you grow this sort of healthy stock of of whatever your group is. So you grow a healthy stock of Germans or whatever it is. Um, yeah, and uh, you know that's what you will inev- inevitably slide into. I think that kind of eugenics, that kind of governance. If you just take God, you take religion out of politics completely, take it out of your own life, and you just follow the dogma of your political party, you're going to end up with that kind of that kind those kind of policies. In in the Soviet Union, that's what they did. In the Soviet Union, religion was illegal. You couldn't be Christian. And uh, all their policies were based on science. And they, I mean, so many people starved to death in Russia. It was all about, it was all about managing things in a, in a scientific way, which that did an amazing job. By amazing, I mean terrible. Uh, Darling, do you have anything to say about this? Come on, come on. We all want... Valeria, Valeria, Valeria. Come on, guys. No, I have nothing to say about this article either. Because mm. I am having massive headache right now. Oh, okay. All right. Well, let's move on. Could you I'm read the so next? Sorry. I don't... It's this weather. It's like clouds. It's like trying to. When, when I have this, when there's a weather mm. like this, I'm like, I'm done. It does make you sleepy, sleepy when there's cloud when it, when it gets like cloudy and overcast in LA. It does make you a little sleepy. Sleepy. I have a headache because weather is changing. Like two days ago, it was super hot. Now it's cold and raining. It's like, oh my gosh, what's it's going a on? weird thing. Like in Oregon, you know, you grow up with overcast most days, and it's sunny out, and you're like, yeah, let's go do something, and you run outside and, and you you go you have some fun. In LA, it's like sunny every single day. So a sunny day isn't and anything I like special. It. But I I love it when it rains. If it rains or there's overcast, I'm like, I want to go jogging or something. I, I want to get outside. I just <laughs> but if you're inside kind of cozied up, you know, with like a cup of cocoa or something, yeah, you want to kind of nap or something. There's something about the overcast in L.A. that does make people sleepy. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, that's enough of that uh, divergence. Shall we read the next story? Yeah. Manhattan DA's office will no longer prosecute prosecution cases. Yeah, because people need to make money. Like uh, you got to do something during the pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as the pandemic hit, and you know our pocketbooks were because Valeria couldn't work anymore. I was like, Valeria, I got a new career for you. <laughs> and that was day trading crypto, uh, not prostitution. But let's have a look at the folks who do want to talk about prostitution here. Uh, oh no, no, sorry, I grabbed the wrong story. There we go. Manhattan DA's office will no longer prosecute prostitution. Well, here's the thing about that. A lot of people on the right agree with that. They're called libertarians. I disagree with this. I think this is a terrible move. And the reason is because there are certain kinds of jobs, certain kinds of professions, certain kinds of industries that naturally lead into massive and really vicious exploitation of people. Um, I think pornography does that quite a bit. Um, 
but pornography and prostitution both do that. The problem with pornography is pornography has been legal for so long, and it's such a massive industry. I don't think that anything can be done to to tamp down on that anymore. But prostitution is like so. Here's the thing with prostitution: you will often get people who are not interested in being prostitutes dragged into it right so and what they tend to do this is how human trafficking happens and i i interviewed a guy who specifically goes out and catches women who are or catches yeah women who have been essentially kidnapped and they're they're being sold into prostitution or they're being used as prostitutes and he goes and rescues them his organization goes and rescues them. fantastic organization i forgot what they're called they're down in san diego angel something angels or something hey they're fantastic I should probably have looked that up before the show. Anyway, um, great organization. And he was telling me about the details of this. And what they'll do is they get uh, they recruit in like these gangs. Like a, a lot of times they're like uh, Mexican gangs. Uh, but it's different kinds of gangs, different kinds of groups of people. But a lot of them are like somehow connected to Mexican cartels, stuff like that. And they'll get uh, young, the young, good-looking guys. Mm-hmm. And they'll kind of train these guys how to pick up girls and get girls interested. And they'll get these guys will will basically find girls. Maybe they're girls with like low self esteem, something like that, but kind of cute, you know. And but they're very young, young girls, like teenagers, mm-hmm. fourteen, something like that. And they'll get the girls to think that the guys like their boyfriend, right? The guy will treat them real nice, act like they're you know, spend money on them, stuff like that. And a lot of times they'll get them hooked on drugs. The guys will get them hooked on drugs. And then this girl needs the drugs. More and more, so they need the drugs. And then they're basically owned by the gang. The gang then owns these girls. They can do what they want with them. And sometimes what the gang does is they then start pimping the girls out to these guys mm-hmm. that, that you know they want to buy prostitutes. Or they'll actually sell the girls to other gangs and they'll get money that way. So it's a sort of profit uh, mm-hmm. thing, a way to make, make money. Um and it's a, it's a profitable business because it's illegal and not a lot of people are willing to do illegal things. And so the people who are willing to do illegal things can make a lot more money than people who aren't. So it's lucrative. Now, the libertarian says, well, if you make it legal and you regulate it, then all, all the women who want to do it will be able to do it. And all the women who want will not. Right? It'll, it'll be less. And that's, that's true. But I think there's still going to be so much exploitation of so many women who ne- don't necessarily want to get into it. And it's something that can be so traumatizing to a person. It can ruin somebody's life this way. Um, that I don't think that it's something that we should allow in our society. Because you're, you're, you are essentially giving opportunities to people who uh, are already want to exploit human, uh, other people. The same thing has been happening with the legalization of weed. People thought the legalization of weed was going to make all this money for the different cities and stuff. It's not. Uh, it's What you've done with the legalization of weed is you've made the people who used to be criminals rich. A lot of these people who were criminals are now rich. And a lot of these people, a lot of these people who were selling weed, they sold multiple other kinds of illegal drugs. And now they have a, a legal way to launder the money that they're getting from the sale of their illegal drugs as well. There's a lot of problems that are propped up with this legalized weed thing, right? Um, it's not necessarily good. You know, the people are like, oh, the weed will be cleaner. It'll be better. You know, nobody's going to go crazy. No, we have seen problems where schizophrenia is tied to heavy marijuana use. People have gotten you know, a lot of health issues from the marijuana. 
I know a lot of people out there smoke pot and they're like, oh, pot's perfectly fine. Pot's, pot's, pot's perfectly fine. For you, maybe it has been fine. But for a lot of people, it's very dangerous. Mm-hmm. I don't like the legalization of, of drugs that mess people up. Now, people say, well, alcohol is just as bad. Well, maybe alcohol should also be illegal. The problem with alcohol is it's so ingrained in so many cultures for so many thousands of years, it's really impossible to get rid of. So to say that like, oh, well, this drug's legal, so all drugs should be legal, that's a stupid argument. Uh, I don't like alcohol. I don't like how how it's abused. I don't like how uh, it causes all kinds of damage. Well, my uncle died from alcohol and my father... Well, our family almost fell apart mm-hmm. when my father was drinking. I was like too little to yeah. remember that. But my mom actually left him, grabbed me and left me, left him with me. And uh, he's like realized that what he's doing and he sta- stopped drinking. No. He even stopped smoking. He was smoking, drinking. And now no. they're still together. Smoking cigarettes. <laughs> smoking cigarettes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of problem with drugs. Uh, they, they mess people up, you know. And, it's and unusual in Russia to stop smoking because in Russia almost everyone smokes everyone cigarettes. Smokes, yeah. Yes. And look, I mean, I, I certainly don't think it's the government's responsibility to protect everybody from everything. But... Um, there's no reason for people to be doing drugs, and, and there's no reason for that to be legal and to be uh, mm-hmm. abused by everybody. Uh, you know, we don't want that kind of a society, right? It's 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 sort of like the same thing as saying that uh, a child abuse is acceptable, right? I mean, all of these things are acceptable if if we just imagine that morality is not really a thing, if God's not a thing, if uh, f- you know, faith is a lie. If 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 we're just a bunch of particles in the universe, well, then nothing matters. Why is le- why is murder a problem, right? I mean, you could you could make the case that everybody has a right to do anything they want ever, and that's a perfectly reasonable way to to live in the world. But th- society is going to fall apart. You know, you want some degree of boundaries. You want some degree of rules uh, uh, in order to maintain the uh, mm-hmm. integrity of society and to help people to to live better. Uh, higher quality lives. The, the problem with the left is not that they want to regulate. Regulation is fine if what you're regulating improves everyone's quality of life or improves, you know, it's it's positive. The problem with the left is they regulate things that reduce people's quality of life. They actually, they regulate so much. They re, Their answer to everything is regulation, regulation, regulation. We shouldn't be opposed to regulation just as a thing. We should be pro- opposed to regulation that actually hurts people, which most regulation, I think, does. You want to veer on the side of caution by not infringing on people's rights, by not regulating. Um, but that's not to say that regulation is a tool that we should just, just you know, get away with all, altogether. I mean, a law against murder is a kind of regulation. Right? It's a violation of your rights to some degree because it's not letting you do something that some people want to do. But we need laws, and I think that laws against prostitution are important to protect people who would otherwise be vulnerable of being pulled into it that don't want to do it and would ruin their lives. Uh, let's see here. Uh, but this guy says that he's going to stop prosecuting. In fact, they've... Okay, so the Manhattan District Attorney will stop prosecuting prostitution and unlicensed massage cases. I think that that's... See, another thing is a way to get to people who are committing other more heinous crimes is for the police to be able to go after them for these lesser crimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, an unlicensed massage person yeah. may, in fact, be a way to take down a human trafficking ring, right? That's why they have that. Um, and it's tossing out thousands of warrants dating back as far back, as far back as 1975. 
The district attorney, Cyrus Vance Jr., appeared virtually Wednesday in Manhattan criminal court to ask Judge Charlotte Davidson to vacate 5,994 bench warrants and dismiss the underlying charges of prostitution, unlicensed massage, and loitering for the purposes of prostitution. The motion was granted, and the cases dating back to 1975 were dropped. For years, the Manhattan DA has offered people facing these charges services and programs. Uh, now will decline to prosecute these arrests outright, providing services and support solely on a volunteer basis, uh, said Vance, who added that his office is the first in the state to take this step. Oh, you must be so proud. Brooklyn District Attorney Erica Gonzalez's office also declined, declines to prosecute prostitution cases, but only after services have been offered to defendants, a spokesman said. The announcement shows that the Manhattan DA is committed to changing its approach to the sex trade. <laughs> the sex trade. By decriminalizing people who are in prostitution and supporting those uh, most at risk of exploitation. Yeah, that's what they're doing. They're supporting people at risk of exploitation. God, it's like these people don't know how the world works. Uh, this was said by the Reverend Dr. Q English of the New York State Anti-Trafficking Coalition. Cecil Gentili, founder of, sorry, Cecilia Cecilia Gentili, founder of Transgender Equity Consulting, lauded the new policy. So this guy that's dressed up as a woman, he, he thinks this is just fantastic. Uh, the resolute action to actively discriminate sex workers is the kind of change our community has been hoping for, advocating for, for decades, this thing said. Uh, the bulk of Manhattan dismissals relating to loitering for the purpose of prostitution cases dubbed the walking while trans law, which advocates having, uh, which advocates have long said unfairly targets minorities. I mean, I've heard that too. Like, Oh, you know, if you arrest a trans prostitute, you are, you're targeting minorities. I've never really understood that. It's because like a lot of black dudes are trans prostitutes or something like that. Is that what that that's about? I don't know. It's weird, man. The bulk of the Manhattan dismissal dismissals related to loitering for the purpose of prostitution. Oh, sorry, we already got, got there. Earlier this year, the state legislature struck the controversial statutes from its books in response to Brooklyn, Queens, and Bronx DAs. Uh, in response, the Brooklyn, Queens, and Bronx DAs moved to vacate bench warrants stemming from the charge and dismiss all open cases. I mean, these cities are just getting worse and worse and worse. In the 1980s, New York was known for being like a, a crappy place. Like, you didn't want to go there. There was like trash all over the place uh it was dirty i I mean there was prostitution out in the open uh there was gang violence Uh, people were getting shot all the time it was an incredibly violent dirty disgusting place with uh you know sexual stuff all over the place it was not a place you wanted children it was not a place you wanted children i lived there in about 2003 i lived in new york city and it was pretty nice i really liked it um you and i went there during the pandemic Mm mm-hmm there was almost nobody out. <laughs> uh, different neighborhoods had different levels of disgustingness, but there was a lot of trash on the streets because the city yeah. had failed to clean up the trash. It was this weird epidemic. But beyond that, it was actually really, really nice because because of COVID, nobody was outside. I and mean, we were basically by ourselves most of the time, uh, especially in the very south part of uh, Manhattan. Uh, we went to the Statue of Liberty. That was awesome. Um, that boat was actually pretty full, though, actually. That, uh, a lot of people wanted to go to see the Statue of Liberty still. But, uh, yeah, absolutely wonderful experience. Valeria actually admitted she loved New York. I want to get one of those T-shirts. I heart New York. 
New York. <laughs> we had a great time. And it's and it's sad to me. It's sad to me that one of the greatest cities in, in the history of the world is being destroyed by these leftist idiots. Uh, most of the city's DAs had stopped prosecuting the crime years before it was repealed. A spokesman for Richmond County DA Michael Mc, Mc, uh, McMahon previously told the Post that his office would follow suit. So a bunch of degenerate DAs. Just, I mean, look at this guy. What? You can tell just by his face he's a smug a-hole. All right, hold on. Kurt's written something. Democrats want to legalize everything because they themselves are criminals. I could not agree more. Kurt, you said it beautifully. All right. And on that bombshell, Valeria, our last story of the day, the day, the day, the day. There's an echo effect. I didn't I didn't say that. I just put the echo thing. Anyway, go for it. Don Lemon? Don Lemon. You don't know Lemon. the name Don Lemon? Don Lemon. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I bet with names. If I see the person, I yeah. know the person, but yeah. names. Yeah, but I like mocking you. <laughs> Don Le- Lemon recommends white people read his book. Yeah, Don Lemon is sitting here saying that if white people want to be better human beings, they should read his amazing book. All right, so let's have a look here. Uh, promotes his own book as a recommendation for white people. So. CNN co-host Don, oh, sorry, CNN host Don Lemon suggested his own book on Wednesday as a way for white people to learn about grace and accountability in the battle against racism. I would recommend a book that comes uh, that comes after that by this author, Don Lemon, who says this is the the fire that 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 we are in that also talks about accountability and grace at the same time. Lemon said on CNN's News uh, New Day. Uh, Lemon's comment was in response to Tuesday's Las Vegas Raider uh, Raiders tweet saying, I can, I can breathe for 2021, which was posted shortly after the jury found former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin guilty of third-degree murder, second-degree murder, uh, sorry, second-degree manslaughter, and second-degree unintentional murder in the death of George Floyd, which again raises the question, how can you be guilty of intentional and unintentional murder at the mm-hmm. same time? Doesn't seem to make sense. So one of our... Our fans posted that yesterday, and that makes a lot of sense. Okay, we know what happened with George Floyd. So why is Don Lemon telling white people to read his book so they can become less evil, racist white people? Well, it's because of this tweet here. The Raiders uh, owner is a white guy, and he posted this, I can breathe. Uh, This is posted by Mark Davis, who owns the Raiders. Uh, I think there's a picture from here somewhere. Oh, there he is, yeah, old white guy. And they're like, oh, how dare a white person say it? It's such a terrible thing to say. Um, George Floyd's family said that they were actually quite happy with the support and everything like that. But apparently, so let's see here. The tweet from the Raiders drew backlash on Twitter. The phrase, I can breathe, was used by supporters of police in New York after the death of Eric Garner in 2014. So, you know, obviously this guy didn't know that, but people were like, how dare you use this term that we hate so much? Uh, Davis said that he wouldn't have used the phrase if he'd known the history, but chose not to delete the tweet. He said, it's a tough situation. Uh, I felt bad that it was taken in a way that it wasn't meant to be. Uh, That can only be my fault for not explaining it. Well, I mean, see, the reason that he posted this is because it's like very elegant, right? Just like one little phrase. like It's elegantly done. I don't agree with him. I think that it's really fucking, I'm really freaking stupid that people are celebrating Chauvin's uh, conviction. I don't think Chauvin's guilty of anything. I think this is a terrible miscarriage of justice. But then this is pretty funny. It's like this guy is agrees with you that this was an injustice, he, or he, that 
you know, that uh, George Floyd's death was a murder. He agrees that this that justice has been done, even though I disagree with him. And you go ahead and attack him. I mean, this is just like the left. They're like, okay, you know what? You're trying to be friends with us, but you're not doing it right. You're trying to support our position, but you're not doing it right. You're, you're not good because you're a white man. You don't even know how to be sympathetic to black people and, and a good person. And so, of course, Don Lemon says, you know how he could be a better person? Reading my book. Nobody's going to read your stupid book, Don Lemon. You're a loser. Uh, Davis said he was uh, driving when the verdict was announced and heard Floyd's brother, uh, Philonese, say, I guess, uh, make the statement that we can all breathe again and decided that, to take that message, to, to make that message the team's response. I thought it said a lot, Davis said. Uh, it said a lot about everything. I thought it was something where we could, I mean, come on, this is just stupid. Like, give me a break. The left is just so so dumb. They're just so dumb. They're 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 taking people who are on their side and they're attacking them. I mean, if the if the guy was black, they wouldn't have said anything. Uh, let's see what's Kurt, Kurt's written. I haven't read it yet, so this could be dangerous, folks. You never know with Kurt. <laughs> he says, "I would imagine that Don Lemon has very few black fans." <laughs> I'm so sure that's true. He says, um, "If white people don't buy his book out of a sense of guilt, who will?" I know. Yeah, he he wouldn't sell a single book if it weren't for like white women saying like i i want to be less racist so i'm gonna read don lemon's back we talked yesterday about uh uh, a new well it was it's not even a new study it's a study from like last year that just didn't get a lot of attention that indicated that over 50 percent of young white women who are liberals who are who consider themselves very liberal 56 percent of them have suffered mental illness mm-hmm. 65% or something like that some 60 something percent oh no no sorry 56% my bad 56% of them and of the young 18 to 29 is the range we're talking about here uh young white men who call, consider themselves conservative it was uh 16% and that's actually for the men the male category that's actually quite high for male conservatives uh because uh, the younger people tend to be diagnosed more. But if you compare men 18 to 29 to women 18 to 29, white, conservative versus liberal, 56% compared to 16%. It's crazy. The most sane people in the country make up the majority of the Republican yeah. Party. The most insane people in the country are controlling the Democrat Party. So... You know, take that as you will, but I think it's pretty self-explanatory. All right, we are done with the news. Darling. Yes. Do you want to read some chats, some super chats? Yes. Uh, Well, you read the first one, right? I did, yeah. Uh, The second one from uh, Daniel, again. Again, Daniel. I wanted to have all I need to get by by Method Man and Mary J. Bly to me my wedding song. Method Man's lyrics yeah. are wedding vows. Wa- wa- wedding vows. He says, I wanted to have all I need to get by by Method Man and Mary J. Blige to be my wedding song. Method Man's lyrics are wedding vows. That's crazy. I've never actually, I never got into Method Man. Uh, uh, I had a friend who was obsessed with Mary J. Blige. Like it was like, he just thought she was like the greatest. And I used to uh, park cars. Just meet a bunch of black dudes. Just meet a bunch of black dudes parking cars. And honestly, one of my favorite jobs I've ever had. I love those guys to this day. I love those guys. Not all of them. One of the guys was kind of a dick, but most of them were great. 
And one of the guys, he was obs- actually the guy who was a dick. He was obsessed with Mary J. Blige. Mary J. Blige came in once to the restaurant where we were doing um, valet, mm-hmm. and he like lost his mind. Everybody was like, "Okay, let him take the car. Let him take the car." So he got to go talk to her and stuff like that. It was, it was cool. It was cool. Uh, it's it's nice to it's nice when somebody gets to meet somebody that they're kind of obsessed with it in Hollywood. It's it's quite fun. I uh, I don't know if I've ever had any kind of experience like that myself. I, I never really admired uh, celebrities quite as much as I think most people do. But I had a buddy named uh, I think I've told this story before. I, I had a buddy named Imran. He's a Pakistani British guy, and uh, uh, but very English, right? He, he like wears like tweed and stuff, like <laughs> very very British. And um, I, I was in a club with a friend of mine named Christina. Who was doing some like modeling? She was weird. Big big girl, big girl. Christina? Yeah. No. No, she was like super skinny. Uh, She's a model. She was a model. You had like a plus size model named Christina too, no? She. Chris. Christy. Yeah. Chris. Yeah. No. Different person. <laughs> Same name. This girl Christina was uh, was also Pakistani English, or she might have been Indian. I don't remember, but she was a, like a model, and so she was there for a meeting. And we like in Santa Monica, and so I went with her, and we went to this bar afterwards. This is Fourth uh, of July, so I'm sitting there with her, and uh, I see this girl from this movie called She's All That. She's All That, the movie. In fact, I don't remember the name of the girl from She's All That. All that is. Hold on, hold on. Okay, got it, got it, got the name, got the name. Now I can tell the story appropriately. So. I see this girl and I see, and she's from this movie, She's All That. And I know my buddy Imran is like, he's kind of this kind of person who becomes like in love with people on television or in movies. Like if he sees a girl and he gets a crush on her, he's like, I want to marry that girl. You know, he, he like gets a thing for girls on TV and movies, which I think every guy does to some degree, but he's very much like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and so I was like, this is the kind of girl he would have. He would get a crush on, I think. And maybe he had mentioned her before. I don't remember. But for some reason, I was like, I got to call him. And he was he was supposed to meet us that day already, and he was like late. So I called him up, and I was like, hey, buddy, um, there's this girl near, like about six feet away. I'm looking right at her. And she's from this movie. She's all of that. Uh, and I think she's like, I think I think this is the kind of girl that you would like. Like, you got to get over here. And he goes, he goes, the girl from She's All That. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Rachel Lee Cook. Rachel Lee Cook. And I'm like, how do you know her name? I just know her from the girl from She's All That. Because she wasn't like hugely famous, but she was in this one movie. And he's like, he's like, oh, no, no, no. She, she's like my favorite girl of all time. She's like, he's like Winona Ryder and her. <laughs> he's like, I'm, I'm in love with this girl. I'm in love with this girl. So I was like, oh, I didn't realize this is like your favorite ever celebrity girl ever. I'm like, well, she's standing right next to me. Come over. So he comes down and he sees her. And uh, he kind of walks past her and he walks up to me and goes, that's not her, mate. It's not her, mate. And I'm like, uh, I saw the movie. It is her. And now apparently she was in a show called Dawson's Creek, which I, I didn't watch. So I didn't know that she was in the show. But apparently he watched every episode of this show. And that's when he first, and his, I guess his sister had told him, that's the perfect girl for you. You should marry that girl. And they got that in his head. And he'd always been like kind of obsessed with her after that. Um, not like in a creepy way, like, you know, just to innocent nice nice way and uh so we so he's like oh it's not her it's not her i'm like i've seen the movie that's her he's like no no no. this girl's too short richly cook's much taller 
but uh, it looks a lot like her. I mean, that looks just like her, mate. And I go, Imran, if it's not her, then go talk to her. Because if she's not famous and she looks just like the girl of your dreams, you need to go talk to this girl. And he's like, I can't, I can't, I can't do it. I can't talk to her. <laughs> so I was like, all right, well, and this girl uh, I was with, Christina, she's going, oh, I've got a headache. We've got to go home. Come on. I feel terrible. we got to go. we got to go. Also English, right? So I was like, all right, let's get out of here. So we're leaving this bar. And as we're leaving the bar, Barney's Beanery, Barney's Beanery in uh, Santa Monica. As we're leaving it, there's this massive line out the door. You know you know how bars and clubs sometimes get like that. And I realized if Imran changes his mind and he wants to go back and talk to her, he's not going to be able to get back in. So I, I just yelled, stop. <laughs> and everybody stopped talking. I'm like, and I, I couldn't do it. I turned around. I tapped the girl on the shoulder. The girl turns around. And I can tell, you know, Imran's walked up behind me like, oh, what's he going to do? What's he going to do? So I go up, tap her on the shoulder. She turns around. I go, I go, hey, what's your name? And she, she's, she's like, what's your name? And I was like, hey, hey, I'm flirting with a celebrity. This is great. Uh, and uh, I was like, I'm Chris. And she goes, I'm Rachel. And I turn to Imran. And Imran just looks at me like, holy crap, no way. And he goes, and I'm not kidding. He goes, this is the best thing. He goes, are you the Rachel? <laughs> and she goes, I'm a Rachel. And he goes, yeah, but are you Rachel Lee Cook? And she goes, yeah, I'm Rachel Lee Cook. And he's like, oh, my God, I'm a huge fan. And so they talked they talk for like 10 minutes. They talked for like 10 minutes. And she was like really, really nice. She seemed genuinely um, flattered genuinely flattered that, that he liked her so much and that he was such a big fan of hers and he thought she was so great. Uh, and, and she was just really charming and really nice. She talked about British stuff and, and you know, she was joking around with us a bit. And uh, I noticed he started to get up on his toes for some reason. I noticed that he like physically he was up on his toes at one point. And I'm like, what what is going on like with this guy? Like he's having like a physical like a physiological reaction to this interaction that is is a little bit weird, a little bit concerning. I didn't know if I should stop him talking to her or not, but I didn't want it to turn into something where she started to get annoyed with us. So I whispered to him. I was like, hey, uh, do you want to get out of here? You want to keep talking to her? Like, what do you want to do? And he's like, he's like, no, no, yeah, we should leave. We should leave. Okay, okay, we should leave. And, uh, and so we said goodbye, and we took off, and she was like very, very gracious, a very nice girl. And we left, and he was pretty cool at first. But we were walking back to the car, and as we're walking back to the car, he starts, I'm not joking, running in circles around us as we're walking to the car. Oh, around, around, around in these circles, like just flipping out. I've never seen somebody somebody so happy in my life. So anyway, when you introduce people to celebrities that they love, uh, it's just one of my favorite things. I love doing that. Anyway, that's my favorite celebrity story. And uh, I didn't even know really who she was. But she's great. She's a great girl. Great girl. She should be, she should be in more movies and TV shows, I think. She's fantastic. Uh, anyway, that's a funny personal story that's completely irrelevant to anything else we were talking about today. Do we have any more uh, super chats? <laughs> yeah. Children are all about politics from Frank James. Sorry. From who? Uh, Frank James. Ah, Frank James, yeah. Children are all about politics. When I was six, I was very interested in the fall of communism and its effect on Western civilizations from earlier con- conversation, I guess. Uh, I didn't really understand what you said. Children are all about politics. When I was six, I was very interested in the fall of communism and its effect on Western civilization from early 
C-O-N-V. No, children are not all entomologists. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> you are just weird, Frank. Most kids do not care about politics at all, I don't think. Kids want to, like, climb trees and stuff. <laughs> I got to disagree with that one. I mean, Onslaught Media. I'll call him back. I don't know what that is. Um, Dale Sanders. Dale Sanders writes, will you please update your TM picture to include Valeria with her Russian smile? Love what you're doing. Thank you, Dale. I had considered that. Valeria, do you want your picture to be... No. I, I offered you to you when we first no. did the show. No. In fact, I kind of wanted to make it just her picture, which we could do and we could see if we get more views. You no. want to start doing that? No. Send me your favorite picture of yourself ever. Headshot, not full body. Go ahead and put that on and we'll see how many views we get. No. We're going to call it toxic masculinity and have a hot picture of your face. Yeah, I love it. I love it. We're doing it. We're doing it. Thank you, no. Dale. I like that. We're doing it. No. We're doing it. Frank James writes, overcast weather makes you sleepy because humans are solar powered. It's also why people get depressed between Christmas and February. Yeah, pr probably true, actually. Um, Forbidden Chocolate says, I'm sorry you're not feeling well, Valeria. And they give you a purple heart, which I think is absolutely lovely. Um... Right. We got anything else, sweetie? Daniel J. Corica writes, uh, we did nothing wrong at the Capitol. Videos on my YouTube channel. Oh, okay. If you guys want to watch his YouTube video about not doing anything wrong at the Capitol, please click on his YouTube channel. He's Daniel, Daniel, Daniel J. Corica. Let me go ahead and try to find him on YouTube. And uh, we'll go ahead and give him a little plug right there. Oh, come on. Come on. We can do it. We can do it. There we go. There it is. All right. Uh, videos. Justice was not served. Justice was not served. And there's there's video game footage. This is interesting. Well, let's watch a little bit of this, guys. Come on. This guy's awesome. We all love Daniel here. Let's see here. Uh, hey, brother, long time. What's your take on the result of the Derek Chauvin case? All right, yeah. So, so I don't, uh, I, I could, I couldn't find your video. So, whatever your video is, you can send a link or something like that, and I'll, I'll post up here. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Go to his channel. Give, give him a watch, Daniel. He, he, uh, he helps out the channel a lot. Good guy, good guy. Uh, let's see here. We did nothing wrong at the Capitol. Yeah, I couldn't find that man. I couldn't find it. But go ahead and click on Daniel's. Uh, just just to select his name and then write it you know write it into YouTube you'll find his channel that way I think or you can click on click on his name will that work I don't even know you okay sweetie yeah you ready to end this broadcast ready do we have any more uh no I don't think so doesn't look like it oh okay it's my friend Jeremy okay did you just call me did you just Call question mark. Okay, that's it. 
Okay, he's he's over at Next News Network. All right, I got to call him back. Um, no more super chats. No more interesting comments in the comment section. I'm sure there's some of them we missed, guys. I'm sorry for that. Um, Kurt isn't saying anything. He probably took off. Well, it's seven o four. I think we can finish the live stream. Okay, we can finish the live stream. Um, I asked my friend who didn't want to vote for Trump. I said, "How do you feel about the Biden presidency so far?" He writes back. Ugh, about as expected, though, especially after we squandered the opportunities in Georgia to hold on to the Senate. So she's not happy because she is a Republican, but she doesn't like Trump, which annoys the hell out of me because I love her. I think she's fantastic, but uh, she's definitely wrong about Trump. I've, I've never really understood why people don't like Trump. I mean, I understand why people may not find him appealing personally. You know, he can be a little bit aggressive uh, and, mm-hmm. you know, but we got to put these away. I can still have those out. All right, guys. Uh, we will see you tomorrow. What is tomorrow? Thursday. Thursday. We'll have more stories for you. Uh, hopefully some good stuff and we can talk about the pressing issues of the day and why Democrats are so stupid. But no later than seven. Oh, do you have, uh, do you have your Russian game? No, I have my nails up. Oh, you have your nails. Okay. All right. It's very important for it's me. very important, ladies and gentlemen. It's hard to get an appointment with my All right. My well, we love our friend. fans. We, got, we think you guys are the best. You guys have a good night. Do you want to say goodbye? Good night. Good night. Good night. And here's the outro. Bye, guys. Toxic masculinity. I'm going to die. Yeah.